Lead, lead, lead. What is happening? Welcome to Working Hours, a show about a place called Leeds, a time called Now, and an activity called Work. Working Hours wants to record 1,000 loiners over the course of this, the most important decade in the history of the human species, and ask them what they do all day and hear how they feel about it. My name is Simon, and this is all my fault. What did you want to be when you grew up? <laughs> That's a great question. I wanted to be an actress, as we said then, an actor. Um, I mean, I went through the wanting to work in the seat off and uh, wanting to work in a bar, which of course I ended up doing, which is what you do when you just try and act. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but yeah, from at the age of seven, I saw the film Grease back in 1978 and decided I wanted to be Rizzo. Mm. Um, that fed my uh, desire to want to act. Um, so yeah, I was that kid at school on the stage singing. And I eventually, and you know, I'm from South Leeds, I'm from Beeston. And actors didn't come from Beeston. Mm. So all my teachers were very um, disparaging. But fortunately I had parents that felt differently and were very, very supportive. So ultimately I went to college. I think I never did uni, never did drama school in the end. But um, went to college in Wakefield <laughs> mm. and did uh, the Broadway Arts Diploma, mm. um, which took me on a whole other journey. You're listening to Series 3, Episode 18, and to my guest, Faye Dawson. This is another Zoom interview recorded on the 11th of May, 2022. Hello, loves. Faye Dawson doesn't really know who she is anymore. She says she never wanted to define herself by her work, but now wonders if she's done just that. From wanting to be an actor at the age of seven, then training, jobbing and falling out with the idea at 25, she fell into PR age 30 and really found her dream job. For over 20 years, she's worked in PR in entertainment, leisure, theatre and hospitality. Four years and 11 months of that time were spent running her one-woman comms consultancy, Faye Dawson PR, FDPR, from her spare bedroom in West Leeds. That was until April of this year when she wrapped up with her last client. Sitting with burnout, a loss of passion and a need for solace, Faye picked up a suitably mundane data inputting job and added a part-time administration role with the wonderful Leeds-based charity, Zarak. Both are work-from-home jobs, which suits Faye at the moment as she gets to be with her Black Labrador buddy and Stanley the cat. It also means she can operate flexible hours. Faye describes herself as an avid storyteller and a wannabe writer. Faye writes for Projecting Grief, an online gallery that explores the use of creativity to help grief, and she is in a pool of media spokespeople for the Miscarriage Association, focusing on early miscarriage. You can find out more about Projecting Grief at projectinggrief.com or follow them on Instagram at projecting underscore grief. Go to miscarriageassociation.org.uk to find out more about what they do or to make a donation. And you should also check out Zorak and you can make a donation to them as well at zorak.org. It's a bit of work to listen to this one, I have to be honest, but it's worth it, I think. Zoom didn't get the best sound from Phase Audio and Descript's studio sound processing could only do so much. You get used to it after a bit anyway. Leads, don't forget to like, share, follow and subscribe to this podcast. And remember, Leads, I'm doing all I can to bring this to you. So if you do like anything about it, please follow and promote Working Hours 
on and off social wherever you can, whenever you remember to. Please give money to Waking Hours and please give me any feedback, questions or comments that you may have. You know, feedback and support and encouragement and acknowledgement. Help it get bigger and better and more confident. Email workinghourspod at western-studios.com or use one of my social channels to get in touch. Links for all of those channels will be at the end of this episode. Any support that any listener anywhere can give me will help me to keep Working Hours free for anyone in Leeds or elsewhere to find these interviews and listen to them. More importantly, it helps me to do this. The more you do, the more the podcast can do. Please share working hours and engage any way you can. And please get in touch to advertise your Leeds business campaign or whatever on this show. If you like the show, please support me in making it bigger and better however you can. Get keen, do a fundraiser for me. I can't be asked. It's hard enough summoning the energy to do this. Okay, enough fundraising. Now, please enjoy this totally free and totally ad-free, as far as I know, episode of Working Hours with Faye Dawson. What are you doing now then? And now, well, that's a zillion dollar question, Simon, because um, up until April this year, i.e. last month, uh, yeah, last month, I, w- I had worked in PR for some 21 years, mm. the last almost five years being running my own one-woman communications consultancy. Mm. Uh, and uh, in the end of March, I wrapped up my car. I decided to pack in early this year. Mm. I probably realised that a long time before then, but weren't really listening. And uh, packed in and now... <laughs> Picked up a little uh, data input job that I can do from home that's suitably mm. mundane and um, applied for a job as administrator with the lead charity Zarak, mm. who we can talk about in a bit, who are fantastic. And currently I'm working on a very part-time basis again from home with them and trying to make up some kind of salary by data inputting. That's not happening. Mm. Uh, but yes, yeah, that's where I am right now. <laughs> Okay, so sort of where where to start with all of that? I mean, um, so how did you go from wanting to be an actress to being in PR to not wanting to be in PR anymore? Oh, there's a few years to cover that. <laughs> like 43 years. Um, so, yeah, acting explained where that came from. And I did all sorts uh, during that period as a kid and as an adult. But obviously, it's a, it's a tricky industry to be in anyway, mm. um, as anybody will tell you, even the most successful. And you do spend a lot of time doing the stuff, which I loved about work, restaurants, cleaning, all that. I, I, I always liked that. I did get acting work. Mm. Uh, my very favourite job ever was... Um, Museum, I had a job in the Museum of Theatre down at Tetley Brewery Wharf in Leeds, which is no more, which is, but although you'll know where the brewery headquarters is, Tetley, still there. That was fantastic. Went off to Mallorca to work as an entertainer in a hotel for a season, which was great. Mm. And at the, just before, yes, yeah, so, and then a bit, so in the mid 90s, a good friend of mine got a role on Coronation Street. Mm. Yeah. Which was huge. It still is huge, obviously, but for us, they were like in our early 20s, and it was just massive. A season lead. And we just were like going out, doing what we'd always done, like going for a pint or mm. going shopping. And people would literally throw them. <laughs> mm. I mean, it was 
ridiculous to me. It was utterly ridiculous. Mm. I was physically shoved out of the way, you know, it was mm. bonkers. And I remember thinking, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure that's for me, really. I rather like pooling down the street and going into the shops. You know what I mean? I like living in Leeds, thanks. I really don't want to be anywhere else. <laughs> Um, anyway, go off to work in the awkward and entertain that and get this kind of much smaller, if you're not wishing to com- compare being an entertainer in the awkward with Coronation Street. But <laughs> <laughs> you are, you belong to those people for that two week holiday. Yeah. So you're on the stage doing in Spice Girls and entertaining everybody and uh, having a blast. And on your one day off, we were sitting really long hours, six days a week, obviously. Um, you were on if you didn't get off that part of the island, mm. you were you were just not left alone. Yeah, it's lovely in a zillion ways. Mm. It's also because re- I am nearly twenty. I hate it now. We're in the mid twenties. It's also really invasive. You know, yeah. you having a little sunbed. Yeah, <laughs> and then you go living over you. It was a really it was a fantastic experience. But I remember thinking, yeah, I don't like this invasion of privacy at all. Mm. Um. I love performing. I mm. love entertaining people. I love making people happy when we did. Um, but that other side of it, I really struggled with. It just and, and I'm not saying I was ever going to get famous. But I just thought, yeah, that's a massive part of, of yeah. the job. And I don't, I don't really want to do it anymore. Yeah. So I was back to 25 then. I woke up and just thought, yeah, don't know. So um, the only thing at that time that I knew was that I wanted to work in the arts. Mm. Very much changed. So I just kind of tried to stay in theatre and got jobs in box office and on bars and yeah, yeah. that kind of thing. It's a very mm. common thing to do. My mm. advice is if you want to work in theatre, don't go work on a box office or in a bar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm insane. Um, but I, so I stayed, in, I stayed in that and then I ended up moving to Wolverhampton because I met a guy in New Yorker who was from way down south. He ended up, it's a long story, yeah. you can go if you like. <laughs> ended up moving to Wolverhampton. Work at Wolverhampton Grand Theatre Box Office and meet the marketing team and think, like this, this is great. These people mm. are creating the stuff that promotes theatre. Mm. That's, that's like my, all my dreams, you know, they're mm. writing words to promote theatre and they're using photography and they're using all this other stuff. And this is way before social media and websites are pretty new. Um, and I thought, I like, I like that idea. Yeah, I'm for that. And just befriended, I used to go up to do the post and hang kind of hang out with marketing and mm. made friends with them all. Mm. And um, ultimately, the marketing manager moved to a place There was a new music, a new science museum opening in Birmingham. He got head of comms there. They were looking for a marketing assistant. I went along for the job, got the job. There was definitely a bit of who you know. Um, got the job as marketing assistant, having done no... I, I mean, I can see how I'd use marketing in the past, but I'm not particular. Yeah. And within six months, they'd made me the PR. <laughs> which, uh, I, I didn't really know what that was, you know, but they'd made me this press and PR officer, mm. uh, which of course was just so right for me then. It was, mm. I loved it. It made complete sense for me. I'd always been interested in media. Um, I liked people. I'd always been interested in writing and telling stories, you yeah. know, connecting people, putting stuff together. So this job was like, my absolute dream job, and that was 2001. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, and I went from the Science Museum and the IMAX to um, Birmingham NEC and NIA, working on gigs and exhibitions and mm. 
Um, and then uh, I split up with my partner, which is why I'd gone there. Decided all I wanted to do was come back to leads. I'd always really miss leads. Um, and then met, he was now my current husband, my current husband. <laughs> like, there's going to be another. I mean, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> there could be more, many more. <laughs> never say never. Who is now? That's a man. That's now my husband. <laughs> uh, moved in, gave up my job to come back to Leeds with no job. <clears throat> Started cleaning. Dad said it out. He worked at Leeds Grand Theatre in, in the technical department. Mm. Did. Um, the marketing team were looking for somebody to help out because somebody got a long-term thing. I go there to fill this gap, end up being PR manager. Sometime there, a long time job, end mm. up being PR manager for Leeds Grand Theatre and City Writers Music Hall, mm. which again was an absolute blast. Mm. I loved it. I loved it. Um, and I was there for six years, which is the longest I've been in any one job. Mm. Um, still, and I just got to a point after six years, for me personally, the shows were coming in and I just thought, here we go again. You know, it felt very samey and, um, I didn't want to feel like that. I didn't feel like, you didn't feel like that working in the car. I'm doing this, so you have to be so passionate now. And I was feeling a bit like, oh, I've done this, I've been mm. here. Um, and I had a really good reputation in Leeds with media and, um, other connections and just thought, I'm going to try and go this alone. Mm. So in May 2017, kind of went like that. My husband built me a desk, opened the spare room, <laughs> I logged on to HMRT and decided to go free lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Is that intimidating at all? Was that sort of, I mean, were you worried about the, you know, doing your own regs and tax and, you know, everything for yourself? I probably wasn't worried enough. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that way. I've always been a bit... And yeah, just a bit, oh, let's, let's have a go at this. Yeah, yeah. Not really saying uh, like, what if and does And I don't know if that served me well or not. And obviously it's got its pros and cons. And in fact, I just said to my best friend last night, why have I lived my life upside down and back to front? And she went, because you wouldn't have thought, which cost you would say that, she's my best mm. friend. Um, but, you know, it does bring its, bring its problems. But I just also think, didn't want to be still in that other place. So you have to take some risks, don't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh dear, I don't know. I have to take risks from time to time. I think there's <laughs> just a, well, I shouldn't say you. Yeah, just a bit of a, so I wasn't worried enough, probably. And it was really tough. Mm. And it was great fun and a massive experience. And I met so many fabulous people. And I learned so much um, about people, about life, about creativity, about myself. Um, but it was, for me personally, it became very hard work. And I, it took me a long time, I think, to realise I was trying to do what a whole team would be doing. Mm. Um, mm, yeah. And that's not bigging myself up. That's quite the opposite. Side. No, but that that's working for yourself as well, isn't it? It's uh, Definitely a lot of it because yeah. you are your own accountant, your own yeah. cleaner, your own it. HR, you're on CEO, you're on marketing and PR, you know, yeah. you're on all those things. You're on yeah. set, you're on, put yourself out there. Yeah, you're PR, really. Um, dog walker, chief dog walker, who's here next? Yeah. Um, so there is that, but also, yes, I'm, as far as my offer goes, I, I 
would definitely, and I'm sure there were other people. That you were trying to it. give the same sort of level as you would when you were being paid by an organization that took care of your tax, your pensions, your like, put it in your bank, got you the work. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. So you could give it 110%, but like yes. when you're doing it for yourself, it's like, well, I'm trying to, but I've got to waste all this time on this business that I've started. Exactly, exactly. All that. And also, you know, there are other PR and comms companies where they'll pay someone to do the social media, um, yeah. the, a client's social media, and they'll pay someone to do the client media media, you know, yeah, this yeah. media, and they'll pay someone to do right next, that, and the other. And, and I was doing it all. Yeah. And, and it became... And I haven't formulated all my thoughts into words yet. I don't even know if I formulated my thoughts at all. It's so recent, really. Mm. Um, and I probably need to think a lot more about the process. But fundamentally, I got to a point, really, it started last year, if not the year before, but definitely in the last year. I wasn't really listening to it. I was just battling on. And then it got to a point where I just thought, I actually cannot do this anymore. Mm. It's, you know, it was like, total, can't do it, walking away, which is really stupid, you know. If I'd listened to myself a year ago, I might have planned for that. <laughs> yeah. I might have put some money away, Simon, who knows, you know, I'd <laughs> given myself a holiday <laughs> and some time to think. <laughs> but no, it's too bad style, I go, <laughs> and go off and take even more risks. Well, yeah, people never change, and that's not a good thing. Well, I mean, it doesn't sound like it's done you too bad so far. Well, but no, not. And I mean, at times I compare it at moments. So it's again, we um, keep using like that. All that. I think we use it a little. Sometimes you use it too easily. Sometimes we don't use it enough. Yeah. But um, it feels a bit one word fits all, and that's that's not really how I feel. But. The, the transition period that I'm in now that I've probably been in since March, really, when I'm really started wrapping up FDPR, is trying to build a salary, which, you know, sorry to be vulgar, is needed. It's not that I want one, it, but I need for it to exist, as we all do. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I also am privileged in many ways. Um, but uh, just, you know, having worked with Darak for the last month, even having a bed now is privileged, which is who knew? Um, so, yeah, I'm going through a lot of transition, which is obviously brings all its own stresses and worry and concern and where to go. But, like you said, I've done it before. Surely I can do it again. And will I be sitting here again at 70 going, oh, well, I'm just setting something. <laughs> well, you, you hope not, don't you? So it's like, because you're kind of like, well, okay, fine. I can do this. I've done this kind of thing before. But, I don't necessarily want to do it again and again. <laughs> yeah. What do what do we do instead? What do I do? You know, I don't know. Wouldn't it be lovely to just have someone pay you to be you? <laughs> yeah. Well, I've, I've I've a question on that. So, um, so what we'll do, if it's okay with you, we'll right. How, how am I gonna, how am I going to do this? So, I want to kind of talk around things. Uh, but I, I want to start with COVID and, and lockdown because I think that'll kind of lead me through to to the other things. So, I mean, part of this is to make people sort of re remember back and have that distinction. And obviously, this is something that started around about the same time as I was starting this. 
but it's also to see, you know, what, what it has changed, what COVID has changed about work. So if you take us back through what you can remember of going into lockdown and then sort of, if you can take us through, like, were you working more, working less, were you furloughed? Like how, how did that affect work for you? And how does it affect your thinking about work now? It was really, I mean, it's a bit like, where were you when, you know, the, so the so players sure, yeah. the towers, and he's like, <laughs> yeah. where's John Lennon? He's like, I'm really at age himself. Or I'm showing my age rather than like, <laughs> um, we were, we were, I exactly, totally know where we were, we were listening to the radio and the Prime Minister came on and that was locked down. So there were several things going on. We were in Northumberland, that literally pulling up at the house, we were going to stay in with the dog for the week and he came on the radio, which we knew was going to have to come things while we tuned in and said, yeah, blah, blah. Now, he said, um, don't go to theatres and don't go, and something else about hospitality. So all my clients were theatre and hospitality. Mm. My husband works in theatre. All my family and a lot of friends are in theatre or hospitality. Mm. Um, you know, my stepchildren are in bars and restaurants where, uh, yeah, anyway. Pretty much the whole of my family is in that industry that they were telling people not to go to, but not at that time, not shutting down. So there was no support. And there was, yeah, yeah. So yeah. we all went, as you can imagine, full on alarmed. What the actual fuck are we going to, what's going on? And what are we going to, we're so unclear. And I went into a massive panic, which everybody did. And, and I remember soon after, feeling a little bit foolish thinking you should have just sat back a little bit now what what ultimately happened is i didn't lose any clients um for which i'm eternally grateful but um obviously i was working with some great people there i, I can't remember who was exactly who's working with because i remember the two main ones which was fantastic theatre company in bradford called mind for the gap which is a learning disability yeah. company who were just great and wonderful and they would be obviously there in a massively vulnerable situation they work with people with disabilities but they were determined to keep the connection going because that was even more important for them at that mm. time mm. to just drop everything would have been disastrous and monumentally so they and their CEO and their team are fantastic they all could go and of course along comes Zoom that nobody's ever heard of or I've never heard of mm. at this um, there were other video calls, obviously, that this Zoom thing comes on and everyone starts connecting through that. So a mind of the gap continued operating via Zoom. And I was, as I have always said throughout my whole PR and communications career, when the chips are down, you must keep communicating. If there's one thing, mm. and this is not even a biased thing to try and keep myself in work, if there's one thing you must actually do is keep communicating with people, tell them you're still there. Mm. You know, I've, I've worked with venues that shut down didn't communicate anything to you that time then reopened and expected everybody to be there and that is just not how we operate as human beings they're going to remember you no one cares yeah. we've moved on yeah. yeah so trying to get that back is a lot of effort and work whereas if you can maintain it when the shit's hit the fan mm. when that comes to an end as it will do however that end looks you're already a step ahead you're already you're already there done you communicating and I was really lucky in that most of my clients got that. The, the ones that could afford to as well, because not to get people lost, could still stop, yeah. tours were stopped, 
yeah. money was gone, yeah. the letter, I am speaking what an established company that was already in place in the venue 30 years, da 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 mm. They were, and, and we eventually got recovery funds and all that. And so they continued, so they, and they also, I must stress at this point, whether it stays in or not, they made a commitment to supporting their freelancers, which mm. they really didn't have to do. Mm. And that was, you know, that there were a lot of, they worked with a lot of freelancers. So we were looked, looked after, we were still working, but also there was a commitment to keep us in work, um, which is great. And then the other one was um, rolling social events, hospitality that would do, they ran Leeds Rum Festival, mm-hmm. which I did the PR for, Leeds Con Exchange, and they were about to do Leeds Gin Picnic, which was to be at Kirk's Blabby. Mm-hmm. Obviously it didn't happen because we weren't even allowed to group outdoors at that time. Mm. So that got pulled. But what they did immediately, which is what a lot of entrepreneurs do, was just totally pivoted and took it online. And mm. so they were delivering. So they were doing all sorts of, it was called the Sip Along Spirits mainly, and then they moved to wine ultimately but, uh, as well. But um, say rum one week, gin the next fortnight. And so that we've already talked about twice. They've mentioned gin in half an hour. <laughs> uh, <laughs> whiskey and they get all the, and they deliver to your house you pay x amount of money you get this fantastic package and then you join in on zoom there are these total professionals from the breweries or the the uh, distilleries um mm-hmm. talking to you about it and you do these little tasting sessions everybody has a merry old <laughs> <laughs> and, and and they changed that and of course so they kept me on board to, to promote to promote and others and obviously this is a Leeds company that suddenly found itself delivering all over the country and available mm. for the country, which was mm. quite incredible, really. Mm. And we discovered new audiences have actually, regardless of COVID and also because of COVID and lockdown, they don't want to necessarily venture into Leeds City Centre for Leeds Run Festival, many do. Uh, but people have financial commitments yeah. or financial challenges care issues or care challenges, um, commitment, uh, you know, on a whole course of reasons. Time, time. Yeah. Whole course of reasons that people actually would rather be in the living room at this kind of party, <laughs> sipping the room, learning yeah. a bit about it. People would put on whole meals when they yeah. could have family round, you know, friends round, when, however many it was at that point. People would cook and just join in a room. Some people you couldn't see. They were just there listening and all that. Mm-hmm. It was really quite an interesting process. So I guess back to the original question. For me, that didn't change. Other than not going into meetings, not being able to see family in, in, in the way, work-wise, really, not a lot changed. But I watched everybody else change, and it was fascinating. So I'd been working at home three years by then. Mm. Suddenly, everybody's working at home, or, or the majority of people working at home, and having complete. <laughs> Point this way, I was like, I wasn't going mad at all. It's really. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't just me. Yeah. Working from home is really hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was quite. It was a really interesting process to see people. Forgive me, but I wasn't celebrating people struggling. But it was, it was, it was kind of reassuring for me that it is yeah, struggle. Yeah, you know, and not going into the office with the same people at nine o'clock or whatever your system is is a struggle. Yeah, um, still don't totally understand why, but it's hard. Um, 
my husband worked from home for the first two weeks mm. um, before he had to go into personal contractors. Um, mm. He couldn't stand it. But what was fascinating was I'd been saying for three years that this house is freezing. Day two, this house is freezing. <laughs> yeah, it was that. That was all very interesting, and I loved watching people suddenly throw themselves into that fitness thing in the morning, and yeah. threw themselves into projects. And I was like, "Not I. I'm sitting right back here. Thanks very much." <laughs> and it was, and and predictably, soon that ended, and then people, there was a whole different struggle. I think, I think for yeah. people, but it, you know, there were so many ebbs and flows, weren't there? It was it's it was quite fascinating, and taught us all so much. Well, yeah, it was it was one of those weird experiences of loads of things happened, but nothing happened. There was long periods of nothing at all happening, and then something would happen because so uh, the discourse would change a lot of you know because there were periods where it's like oh well it's only just going to be for a few weeks and then other people are like no it's going to be forever we're forever going to be locked in here this is going to change work forever and then other people are like oh well it might be a few months and no this is what's really happening and it's like so every opinion that you could possibly have was out there and you looked at them all because you had the time to yeah. <laughs> and there's nothing else happening so i know we did, I really envied that because I didn't get that experience of time where, yeah. you know, like I was like, I have six months, but I hear one more person complaining about being fucking furloughed and going to sleep. I would give <laughs> anything to be furloughed right now. I'd give anything to be paid to not wear. <laughs> um, but, but whilst appreciating that all those people that were in that situation, that was really challenging. Mm. You know, I was like, please, please someone let me have furlough. And everyone else was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> we're all in such different situations. And that is the other thing, right from the, maybe not right at the start, but very early on, I remember saying to, to uh, a lot of people, but um, people need to stop judging other people because you do not know what other people's lives are. You know, we have no idea. We just, Stop it. There's no point going around being angry. Mm. All we can do is manage ourselves. We, we know how we need to exist. Mm. We know what we can and can't do, and we need to go away and get on with it. But you don't know the people. Yes, of course, always going to people that are just going to break the rules because they don't care. But fundamentally, there is so much between that and, and those. There are so many complexities and nuances of how people live. Mm. You know, I know a lot from the talks about, but you know, it, when in London, in South London, when all those different acts park and everybody kicked off, I was like, do you know South London? Do you know Peckham? Because I used to go to Elephant and Castle a lot. And believe me, it's flat, it's multi story tower blocks. Who mm. in the right mind that wants to go to the park on a sunny day when they're mm. hauled up in a tower block with no garden mm. and probably kids, probably mm. more than one child mm. living with nothing? And everyone goes, get back, get back in the time. Maybe you get back, you realize it's busy and you go back. But let's not judge. You don't know what it's like to live like that. I mean, you know, from a PR perspective, you know, these things are a setup anyway. It's like they start from the outrage and then they build the story from there. Because you can like, you can take a photo and say, oh, the park's full of people. You, you All you've done is taken an angle where you've got, 12 people in a line <laughs> yeah or you go everyone on twitter's mad about this everyone on twitter's mad about everything whatever <laughs> it is yeah you can find 10 people to say oh look 
everyone's mad about this. It's like, yeah, well, of course they are. You can find that story anytime. You can only find from 15 year old narrative. We yeah. all can. And now, particularly with social media, oh, and we can all be very guilty of it. But yeah, they, there are some areas where it shouldn't be. They did it in Leeds, and they did a big queue and made out it was a prime arc. And I, I wasn't there. Can't possibly pass another argument on, but. That queue to me looked like it was the Trinity and it just happened that Primark was in the background, right? <laughs> and let's say it was the Primark. There's an awful lot of robbery going on around that. It's like people buy the kids stuff from there because they haven't got bloody money. Yeah. You know? And these kids have gone six months without clothes. Have you have you had a child at that age? Do you know how quick they grow? That the pajamas suddenly don't fit them overnight, you know? Yeah. And not everybody has cards. So let's just quit with the, you know, yes, lot of people do have cards, but it's quite frightening the amount of people that don't have or don't want to use them for fear of, you know, the Casper society thing is, is really worrying, I think. Yeah, so COVID was bonkers, but what it did do was made me realise that I wasn't totally going crazy with working at home, that actually <laughs> I didn't have to go out to meetings. But it's a t- it is a don't really like this expression, but I'm just going to use it anyway. It is a time saver if I discover something like Zoom when suddenly is okay with it mm. as a thing. It is helpful in many ways that you don't have to go a 40 minutes commute to get to your meeting, oh, 40 minutes back. Yeah. yeah, so that when you work for yourself, that's an hour and a half, but it's not really, yeah. it's not, it's not really chargeable time. So, you know, you're not. That's a whole hour and a half. Of- well, that's it. And they, there's the waiting time, you know, like even if you're in a car, you know, you, you get stuck in traffic, you have to find your yeah, way to the place and your way back. And, you know, you there's, there's always distractions. There's always things that take up your time. Whereas the Zoom meeting, providing everyone's there, you know, you get on with it, you do it, it's done. But you lose all of that, like the interpersonal stuff. But on a business business of just like, let's do business. It's great, surely. I, I agree totally, but and then, but then as you said, the human connection thing is important, and it's very important for for lots of people for a zillion different reasons. And mm. getting out of the house is important for a zillion different reasons. And then everybody has their own feelings of, you know, my husband hated working from home. Mm. He can't do a lot of his job from home, but he can do some of it. Mm. Um, and he has no desire to do that at all. Mm. And I have no desire for him to either. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, but it suits other people in his in his workplace. So I, I think the challenge is now, as we are coming out of it, I'm going to commas, um, that people have found what really suits them and there's a bit of challenge of making that work for everybody because it isn't mm. working for everybody. Mm. Um, mm. But we shall see. I applied for jobs. They had a full-on policy. I think most people do now. A full-on working-from-home policy. Mm-hmm. You could read that, work out what it is, you know, the hybrid work is. And, mm-hmm. and that, that definitely comes as a direct result of the pandemic and lockdown. Mm-hmm. And that, I think that's interesting because being more flexible, it's surely a good thing, fundamentally. Mm. Yeah. I mean, especially for certain skills, you know, unless it's like a, a, a manual dexterity skill, what the hell do you need to travel around the world for? Like, you know, if it, if it's a, if it's like a, a knowledge-based skill or, you know, something that you can produce in a document and you can take people through documents for, why do you need to be in the same space as other people for it? Like, you know, you can, you can design something collaboratively. It can be sent around the world. You can teach remotely. 
Um, yeah, there's so much that you, you can do and so much freedom comes from that. And, but then you have to rearrange how you navigate the space. I suppose that's the big difficulty is kind of. I think the teaching thing you just touched on is, is from what I understand of it and from a distance. So my stepdaughter did her third year through lockdown, so she didn't get to go into university. Mm. She didn't get to be with her fellow students. She sat in her bedroom paying £9,000 for the privilege of very little connection. She missed her year of um, work experience. That's not what they call it anymore, but, you know, going Placement, out. Yeah. Thank you. And, and struggled with it quite a lot. I also know on the other side, tutors and teachers, school teachers, university lecturers, who have just found it absolute nightmare. I don't think I heard a positive story about trying to teach a group of people via a video, mm. via, via Teams or Zoom. And that, that stuff's really important. There's a lot of change to have. Mm. Um, it's great that it's been looked at, but I think and you can't please everybody all the time, but we do need to listen to everybody and understand what people need and how best they can work. If, you, if you've got a job that these doing, you want, it, you want it done to its best, don't you? As best as it can be. Well, this is, this is I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot there. And the, the thing is with these conversations of, uh, about work and stuff, it's like the conversations are only for so many people. It's like there are only a certain number of people can actually make any decisions about their work at all you know, for like huge swathes of the workforce, it's just turn up on time. You're not on time. That's like, I'm going to give you a hard time for that. We're going to try and take as much money off as we can off you. Like you just get no choice. You just turn up and try not to get shouted at and try not to get crushed by machinery. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> I was never good at being on time. But then, but then I do think there's a really good point in that, they, you know, when you are doing something where you're working for yourself, you do have to work out things like, how do I like to work? What, when am I most effective? When can I get the best out of myself? But surely that should be a question that's kind of posed for everybody, really. Um, yeah. Within so, the constraints. Yeah. Um, so you've, you've said a lot of things so far um that have kind of I've, I've found interesting i want to kind of look at your working from home experience so the pre-covid like when you started working from home i get the impression that you wouldn't have been able to do that if your role wasn't so like didn't need to be involved with the client so much so if you were more paperwork involved and less people involved i don't know if you would have liked that as much so I'm, I'm guessing from what you've said that how, being able to have that client interaction and because your job is kind of quite you know you, you need to have that client interaction on quite a regular basis and quite a lot of it of contact that you're getting the kind of social aspects of your job served there is that fair and um, most that we get pre-covid definitely um a lot of being with people and managing people in very commas, you know, looking after and mm. but yeah, just being there, which was a, a part of the job I loved uh, for a long time. Briefing photographers, working with media, dealing with film crews, TV crews, you know, working with radio, dealing with journalists, dealing with the client, prepping the client, 
you've got to be with those people to do that. Of course, that changed slightly. But um, yeah, that's a really nice part of the job, being on the ground, managing all that and making it happen. It's exciting. There's a lot of work goes into it to get to that point. Mm. So that's a bit where everybody goes, ooh, they're singing out of the TV tube. Um, the work that's gone into that is like, you know, I don't think I'll ever be able to explain that properly. We can. Sometimes it's a really simple email and you drop bloody lucky. Yeah. Most of the time, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of graft. And even if your email drops lucky, it's because you've done it right. You know, mm. there's a whole load of experience that's come into that. But anyway, yeah, so there was a lot of social aspects to, to PR, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Mm. And I guess that did stop. I guess that did because I couldn't do it. Mm. I hadn't really thought about that. I just had to go away and think about that. I can't decide whether I was already becoming a little bit, I keep saying reclusive, it's a bit of a joke we've got going because I was always, as you can tell from my career history, I out there. So if I worked on the bar, it was my favorite. You know, I mm. wake up and, and the credits start rolling. <laughs> <laughs> Performing, I will die. <laughs> um, and actually, once I start working at home, that kind of stopped. And I, so, what I don't know is, was that going to happen anyway? Mm. Was that a very natural sense Was it a good thing, just doing that and sit back a little bit and be in my little spare room with the cat and then the dog who appeared later? Mm. Um, I don't know. Who will ever know? Who will ever know? I do know I need to connect with people a lot more. And I have to eat. I've learned that because otherwise I do this and just start talking. I think I'm broken to anyone for it. It's like some kind of therapy. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know what puppies feel like, don't you? After you, you sort of spend all day in the house on your own and someone comes back in and you're like, oh, 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 and then I did this and I did this and I went over there. I know, what have you done? It's like, oh God, let me sit down. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even got my toes off. <laughs> yes, yeah. You run yeah. into the door to meet the person. <laughs> they don't know what I mean. <laughs> yes, there's a bit of that. <laughs> um, and also, like, yeah, again, pre COVID, often just come up and just go, what the fuck are you wearing? I've been in PR, which was. For me, it doesn't have to be like this. I don't, like, I'm, to get the art, I've always enjoyed clothes. Mm. Yeah. Really enjoyed clothes, put together. My mum, my grandma, that's a female thing in our family. I've always enjoyed clothes. Fashion, I don't know, how, whatever you want to call it. And then obviously, it didn't have to really go out. That's just kind of, you know, all something that was comfy, you learn. Can I answer the door to, to Amazon in the, yeah, fine, I'll throw it on. <laughs> um, it became so much less important than gone with this red lipstick appeal paired of them. And then we got the dog and the life changer, totally. <laughs> Standing in the garden and just peeing down there and trying to talk to the guardian while picking up shit. You know what I mean? There was, it was a whole different thing. <laughs> um, so I found it really hard for a very long time. But the, yeah, all that, the shift to work from home, my bunkers, and now, now I'm almost kind of frightened to go back into that environment, you know, not big solar. Yeah, whatever. like a workplace, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think probably need to try and establish a bit of both somehow. 
but that I'm still really trying to find my feet in how that's going to be. Well, mm. Maybe we should speak again in a year. <laughs> <laughs> when you were saying about keeping messaging going and uh, also about working from home and sort of seeing people go through that kind of, let's call it an adjustment, be kind, the, the adjustments working from home. Um, so I want to know, did you, did you have your own space sort of initially and then to kind of get your thoughts on, I mean, to a degree, a, a company is, I mean, it's not really something that exists. It exists through practice. It's people, a person or people coming together and doing the same thing over and over again till they get to the point where they have property and contracts and <laughs> buildings and employees and, you know, but it, it is ultimately just people getting up every day and saying, here's this phone number, I'm a company, I exist. And then goes from there in a, in a degree. So, yeah. So talk about, but I, I want to get your thoughts on that and your thoughts in relation to kind of starting up your own company and what that, what that was in your head. What, how did you make it a company? Did you already start with clients and you just kind of cracked on doing the same thing? Or was it something that you had to kind of actually construct in your head to make it exist in the, in the real world? That's a really good question. I can't. I do not remember what my thought process was at all, apart from, mm. this was it good. Um, <laughs> let's give it a go. And several people have asked my advice on how to set up, and I can't give them it because I don't have it. I literally mm. had a laptop, most of built my desk, I logged onto HMRC as, as self-employed, and thought, and on that first day, which was May the 2nd, I think, 2017, I called from my bedroom over to the spare room, which is now my office, sat down and thought, right, here we go then. Now, what what had happened by that point is I was PR manager at Reed Brand Theatre, from Tip Right News Hall, and um, I handed in my notes there, plenty of notes, but it didn't manage to get my successor in time for me leaving or a handover. So mm. they, I continued working for them as a freelancer mm. I was really nervous about doing that first as far as I was concerned which is very me I'd finished there yeah. and I didn't want to continue that yeah. but at the same time it was an income that I needed Yeah, I knew it really well they knew me interested. I knew they'd just let me go away and get on with it because mm. that's what I'd always done anyway and I thought that just by worked me that bit of time to re I'd been putting feelers out anyway everybody who, who I knew knew I was you know, going that way, going freelance. So I meant, I, for, I don't know how long that was, maybe six weeks, I continued mm. doing cast ground and, and a handover for um, my successor. Uh, so that was good. And then during that time, I just picked stuff up. The funny thing is, when I left the ground, I was like, I'm not leaving to do theatre. As far as I'm concerned, I've got the best regional theatre PR gig on, in the land. Ground was great. So I think quite quickly I got Phoenix Dance Theatre and Mind the Gap. Mind the Gap came to me initially for just one project and then ultimately ended up working with them for a couple of years, which is lovely. And then I'd get bits of a tour would be going around and I'd get, I did quite a lot of theatre. It ended up with a bit of hospitality. So I don't know what it was in my head. To go back to the question, genuinely don't know what I was thinking other than let's try it. I do remember thinking, well, you're not unemployable, are you? You know, you can always go back. 
to working in house. That that's not close. You didn't close those doors. Mm. And like, you didn't burn the bridges. You were like, I'm never working for any of you a holes again. No. I still got to do that. <laughs> and I loved most of them, but anyway, so that was all right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, don't burn bridges. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It was literally, let's give it a go. And it worked. You know, it happened. I got work. Well, it, I, I mean, it just sounded like, I mean, from what you've said so far, obviously I wasn't there. But so, But it kind of just sounds like you needed to bring on staff or you needed at least a PA or something to... Yeah, maybe. Like, you see, what I've always said, not that you can't change your mind, I'm a big believer in changing your mind, because that would be very dull if it all said the same forever, but I never wanted to manage people. That, to me, is the most unappealing thing on the planet. I love managing projects, yeah. like managing myself. Don't want to particularly be managed, so every management I had has always kind of understood by that I need to be autonomous, really. Yeah. So I would... I would um, get on with stuff. If it went wrong, I would take the flack. If it went well, I'd take the glory. That, that's how I operate. I'm very happy with that. I will take, if it's gone tits up, I will take the shit for that. So, the thought of managing somebody else, so, no, it's still really unappealing to me. And a lot of people say I'd be good at it, but I, I don't know. Mm. I certainly don't want to do all that HR stuff. Mm. <laughs> Sit down and have, oh, well, how do you think it's got, I'm very, I think I'm just a hand mouth in the way that I get on with stuff. You know what I mean? Well, this is here, let's do it. And, and maybe that's where it went, not that it went wrong, but maybe that's where I could have done it differently. It didn't go wrong because I was still getting clients. I was turning people away in the last six months, which when I thought, why are you turning this guy? He can't afford it. And it's interesting, but my heart was just like it. But um, so it didn't go wrong, but perhaps I could have done it differently. And perhaps having somebody on board or outsourcing in some way would have been better for me and perhaps it's some kind of control freakery that wouldn't let me do that mm. you know I, I don't mm. know if I'm honest am I a control freak I don't think I am but when I look at some of my yeah refusals to do things perhaps you know refusal to let go of something then then perhaps I am isn't some of that I mean I, I would guess from my perspective I would think my fear there is that they're going to do it wrong or they're going to do it in a way that will mess up things that I'm doing. And then I'd have to spend time going, no, do it this way and or doing the work again. So it's kind of like, how is this saving me time? Was there any of that kind of? All of that. But yeah. why do I think, who am I to think that somebody's going to come along and forget what kind of ego you know, I've got? That somebody's going to come what I'm doing so great and so yeah. unique and different and these are the best <laughs> ways to do it. <laughs> You know, I know that is not, that is not to be. <laughs> I do know I have a particular way of working. So that an element of that is a fact in life. You know, I, I, I do write in a particular way. I do communicate in a particular way. I do have a particular tone of voice. And I, I would want to maintain that. But you have to give a bit of that over. You know, you can't yeah. go around micromanaging people. Can you have to let people grow and develop, which is something I really believe in, yet can't quite, couldn't quite relinquish that and let's be fair and I don't think I ever got to a point where I could afford to pay somebody else to do it but that in retrospect probably needed looking at as well mm. you know like how you split your time with clients well if it you know most people in my situation will be outsourcing stuff as we said earlier mm. 
um, and therefore you pass that charge to the client. Mm. But I've, you know, I am not a business person. I was a simple town communication gal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know my stuff. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think perhaps I could have done things differently. But I don't. I don't. At the moment, I don't have any regrets. I'm loath to start with it, but let's start with Brexit. So, have you noticed? Any change from us leaving the EU from after Brexit to how you're working? Anything that's affected your work, either for the good or for the bad? That is a really good question. Because I've been so reclusive. Trying <laughs> <laughs> to think of how it affected clients. I know people who it has affected. Mm. Um, not for the better. Um, which people who work with contractors and goods and materials and drivers, all that, that we know really well. I really don't have an answer for that. Mm. I feel sure that it will have affected the art in some way, touring, mm. etc. but don't have an example of it. Mm. I only have examples of people telling you examples. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Other people's stuff that doesn't directly affect me. Mm. So, um, I know the touring. I let you know if they've worked in uh, live music and what on that that took a little bit of a, of a beating, but then COVID happened. So cheap. Who knew what was coming? Mm. Um, so no, I don't. I don't have a. I don't have a personal or uh, work professional example for that. I have plenty of people I know, and none of it is for the better. But can't give you anything more than that. I'm afraid. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, other people have sort of said because you know, because COVID was kind of happening at the same time. It's kind of like, well, we don't know how to apart what's what's what what's caused yeah. what I'm hearing <laughs> so I think it I think the, the blend <laughs> was uh, powerful wasn't it mm. Mm. in terms of your work can you address or adapt or mitigate climate change in your role and is that something that you're active about or is it something that you'd like to do or is it something that you can't even think about or no, it's something I think about an awful lot. Not not necessarily from a work thing, but rather than you know how how I live my life and what can change from a work point of view. Obviously, COVID kind of, in many ways, assisted the positives of of that in that people were travelling, mm. um, people were walking and cycling, mm. and, and the air quality was better. I mean, noticeably, wasn't it? It was shocking. We live on the main road here, and then A road, very busy. Not meant to be fast, but it is. Um, and it was for definitely for two weeks, it crept up quite quickly. It was like, and so I would say, quiet, oh, yeah, so yeah. Nice. And I would say to husband, this is it. Mm. This is what's going to happen. We're going to be forced to change. People start walking. People, one day when social distancing was really like whatever we were yeah. um, we had to pause at our gate to let people pass before we could get out it was just busy <laughs> and that is not like and we're really lucky we live in that green belt so it's five minutes walk and we can walk in fields you know yeah. and, and woods 
Um, even though we're in a really high built up residential area, five minutes off and you're in. Yeah, yeah. So we have this delay that we call, which is just uh, mm. old farmland. It was like Brigitte. Like, <laughs> Do you think this is it? People can start walking with the families. I, I really believe it happened in Ireland. was like, no. He's <laughs> the realist. I was a real all optimistic that this was going to change the planet. <laughs> and I think I think I think we know who's right now. But um so from a work point of view, you know, it's like, well, I'm not driving, um, which is not a bad thing and that but you know, there's a bus stop on the end of my street. I could I could just I can't get every everywhere on bus and train, but there are elements of it that so from 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 a travel point of view, I didn't do that much. Um I always kind of recycled my paper if I was printing stuff out and it didn't get used. I always turned it over. I was a pretty bus. I thought, turn it over and use it again for scrap. But you know, I think just kind of keep, keep using it as possible and try not to print as much as possible. And so I'm aware of it. But from a work thing, there wasn't that much that I could change. However, in the last year, I did that with a client, got me on board to join the um, sale. Yeah, yeah. Sale, yeah. yeah. So I took part in that, um, which full on alarming. Mm. I'd already had all my, a, a few years ago, decided we were going to really cut down on plastic. Mm. And Alan came home and there was bread, bread bags hanging on the washing line and <laughs> all crumbly plastic. <laughs> and I collected all this soft plastic. I'm totally obsessive. Collected all this soft plastic. Into the house, it's funny you open the cupboard, there's just plastic falling out to do the eco bricks, which I didn't believe in. Incidentally, I don't mm. believe in them at all because that does not stop the problem of making all this crap. And it needs to, it doesn't start with the computer, yeah, it yeah. needs to start much higher up yeah. than what a old say in West Leeds, you know what I mean? Yeah, and you, um, but I thought I'd try and do my bit and I'd make these eco bricks because maybe here's the thing I could have a little. Thing, thing going on. Mm. <laughs> I'm full of ideas that never happened. So I let's see all this plastic, <laughs> washed it and dried it, and I was like, what are you doing? Going mad. And then, of course, ultimately, I had to throw it away, which was even worse. Yeah, because then you, you, then you have a conscious sort you of thing of like, it. how much do I throw away? Exactly. How much am I buying? I how much? <laughs> Tried to stop differently, honestly. And I'm really the one thing I realized a few years ago the one thing I found out during that time was there are two things you need to be able to be a lot more greener, and that is money and time. And I mm. didn't have either, mm. and most of don't have either. Mm. So, shopping differently is more expensive, either because the goods are more expensive because, because they are. And I don't mind paying a bit more for stuff when it's good, but getting to places by so I don't know, let's go use these market there, don't use those packaging. Let's go use Whitley Farm, which is a, a pub there, not far from me. They don't use packaging. But actually doing that in your everyday life, whilst running a business and mm. doing whatever else you've got going on in your personal life, mm. takes time mm. and money. And yeah. uh, I had to stop. The only thing that came out of that time was that I stopped using kitchen roll because... <laughs> well, that's so um, <laughs> I, 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 I've been doing it for years. I tore up a load of old towels that were really getting raggedy and needed it. You know, we needed to replace them. Mm. We used them for a long 
things get very holy in this house before they get thrown away. There's horrible odor, rag, uh, towels, which we now call cloth. And we use them for everything, just throw them straight in the wash, wipe mm. something up in the wash, wipe the dog's drool up into the pot, pot mm. mop something up in the And that's been, that's been uh, really interesting because they been things napkin, here's a rag. Um, so there was that which was still due. And um, recently, since December, so our house freezing, it's freeze blocks, there's no capital, all that it is. I mean, you go outside, yeah, this is not a joke, you go outside and feel the difference in the temperature. It goes up when you go outside. Honestly. <laughs> so I used to always have the heating on. Um, and then, of course, everything happened that's happening. And I thought, you ain't going to be able to do this anymore. You cannot, one, it's environmentally unsound, but it was freezing. Um, but two, can't afford it. Can't afford mm. to do that anymore. Mm. So I've been thinking these cheap things, these are fleece things from Wilkie's that I think right. were 10 ages ago. Warm of anything. So for the last since December, I've been sitting in, it's a bit milder today, although confessing, the winter, I was sitting in three of these, five pairs of socks, three hot water bottles, lift my feet off the floor because we've got floorboards and the cold air from through there. Um, no heating at all. Um, and whilst it's a little bit depressing, I have to look at that benefit side of, oh, well, actually, this is no bad thing for the climate to just um, turn that off, you know? So, yeah, I want to come home and it's in a crazy outfit. I'm just like, that's just like little Ned Ryder's grandma. <laughs> um, so it does that differently for work, but mm. it took years. I wasn't doing it for a long time, let's be fair. Mm. I really only started doing it for money, which is um, not exactly the right reason, but the benefit that, I, you know, I guess I'm there somewhere. But so the, I'm on it. So progress is kind of grinding away, you know, from a, a hundred years ago, people sort of in drafty rooms, writing with their, their pens by candlelight to you, yeah. you know, in a drafty room, typing away on a keyboard. <laughs> covered, in <laughs> covered in blankets. <laughs> he warms you up. Confess yes. doesn't. He warms you up. And that was my other one. Hot water bottles. Um, yeah, it's utterly bonkers, isn't it? But it is, it is. It's a direct link to Dickens because I bought candles as well. Yeah. Because I have candles around the fireplace sometimes. And you do notice the heat <laughs> coming off them. <laughs> ridiculous, isn't it? <laughs> this sounds really desperate, doesn't it? <laughs> but it is and and how many and now kind of probably come to this how many people are far more desperate than that where that isn't you know i know so because i knew i had been sitting here with you and i wanted to be comfortable and not in a blanket put the heating on half an hour so it warms up a little bit mm. because the thing i learned is if you it's hard to get warm when you're cold keeping warm once you're warm is much easier mm. So I put the heat on for half an hour because the new I was talking to you, made sure it's off, got my hot water bottle and my tea ready, and um, got 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 ready to rock. People can't, there are people now that can't even do that, that can't put the heat on for half an hour, you know, and that's what I say when I say privilege, and it upsets me that that's fucking privilege. Yeah. It's shocking, that yeah. should not be, you should not feel privileged for putting on your heating, but anyway... Well, this is the thing as well with, with like getting people to talk about privilege and and it's like but that's kind of that's a weight sort of dragging us down because people are going to talk about more and more 
really basic things as if they're privileged yeah. because yeah. it's not like any standards are going up. And that's what I mean. I mean, define privilege, but that's what I mean by it upsets me that, that I define putting the heating on fast now or having fire on in the evening as a privilege. Yeah. It's like the four Yorkshireman sketch, isn't it? It's like, oh, we had to get you up half an hour before we went okay. to sleep. And... Yeah. <laughs> and I used to be exactly against all that. So, like, you know, with Certain, there is a certain uh, demographic, let's say, in Yorkshire that really like to hark on about one how it used to be, and two, like, I'd post them on Facebook and I knew who would respond with what's that. You're signing on, it's August. I was like, live in, in Yorkshire, August means nothing. <laughs> the point is, if it's cold, it's got obviously feel differently back now because. The aforementioned, I never felt like that. Like, if it's cold, I put my fire on. Yeah, yeah. It's not about the month. Yeah. Don't care what month it is. Yeah, it's care about how cold it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense of it to me. I don't sit there freezing because of the month on the calendar that was made up by somebody. God knows how long it It's nature. It's cold. We live in the north of England. There we go. When it's warm, we won't have the fire on. But, uh, yeah, you can, I know quite a lot of them, they drive me insane. And, and I now I'm doing it, but for a whole very different reason. Um, a privilege. <laughs> okay, I'm going to move on to the next question. Oh, sorry, that's my phone beeping. I cannot make this phone shut up, you know. Oh, no. Like, every time I tell it, like, it's on, uh, it's on flight mode at the moment, but it's still a, a, notification comes through to to beep me for something what is it an iphone no no it's, uh, it's an oppo it's it's um i think it just wants attention yeah so my next question is on um i'm gonna do ubi first so uh universal basic income so this goes back to something that you were saying before so it's essentially getting paid to do nothing kind of um so if you had a universal basic income if you were being given a basic amount each month that paid for you know you to be able to live um yeah would you still work and if you would still work would you still be doing the same work definitely no to the second but well not excluding Zarak. i keep forgetting that i've had this massive change now so like yeah let's let's go back and think about this interestingly I have come always been the and I've only recently started questing. So I come from I'm from a working class background. Family always worked. That definition of working class seems to change all, all the time. But um mm. my grandma worked till she was eighty two and was forced to retire as a chambermaid in a hotel. She's cleaner. We are very much always had what we used to call them. These are the, this is the language of that question, but I'm just going to use it for now. A good work ethic. Mm. I worked from the age of 14. Always had the job, part-time job, holiday jobs, college, all that. Most mm. guys have always enjoyed working because mm. obviously the big jobs have had that paid. But fundamentally, always enjoyed working. No problem with going out to work what, but whatsoever. Mm. Um, more and. Uh, I'm, I'm a grafter, all that, and that, I'm starting to really dislike all those phrases that I've used all my life, but for probably that's the reason we've just been talking about. But um, 
things have been misconstrued in the last six years. But the last couple of years, personally for me, I found myself saying, you know what, that'll probably not work. Mm. But I think it's a definition of work. So we need to work to earn money. But like, so I assume I don't need to earn money, that the that your only basics covered. Mm. As long as you can get a bottle of wine. <laughs> <I'm not laughs> uh, that, I have to do that in basics. That's <laughs> basic. I'm mad up to my own heart. If that said no, that won't work at all. But then there is a definition, in this example, there is a definition of what work is in there because I would still do stuff. Mm. I'd still want to do stuff. I would still want to be active in somewhere. The doing stuff for me, or what always comes to my head first, is I'd love to write. Just like, mm. um, I like drawing. i never give myself the time to do it. And, I, and it's hugely therapeutic for me, whether the, whether the finished product is crap or not, mm. whether I'm pleased with it. The process is about the only thing after wine that makes me switch off. Um, uh, and I don't do enough of it. So I like to think I would embrace my creativity and do that, right? So, if that's not working, but who knows, I sell some of that, or, mm. you know, does that change, does that change the process? I suspect quite possibly. But also, I would want to, and this is what led me kind of Zarat, I would want to do something for others. I'd want to give some time to volunteering mm-hmm. in something I believed in, something that agreed with my ethics, politics, philosophies, whatever um, title you want to give that. Um, so I would still definitely do stuff. I'd still want to get out of bed and do something. Mm. But also, I have, but not every day, I am really pro, and I can't, I can't do this at the moment, but I, when I when I can, I think it's really beneficial. If anybody comes to me and says, I feel really bad because I laid on the sofa all day, I am so pro that you just give yourself time to, to do that, to regroup, to rest. To the press, it's so important, and I think many of us are not giving ourselves the time to do that. I only recently started giving up Saturday afternoons and sitting on here with my husband and watching some of and then I started getting right excited. It's like, what should we, what should we watch today? So I've never done it. It's just not something I'd ever done. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, it might be, I could lounge in the garden if the weather's good. Don't mm. get me wrong, that, that's a fairly easy one. But, but outside of that, yeah, so I would, I, I, I think I would definitely still do stuff and I would definitely give my time to something I believed in mm. without, without the, that would be 100% I'd do that. Not every day, I'm not going to lie, I'm not Monday to Friday, nine to five either, probably, mm. but definitely a good chunk of time that I felt was beneficial and was having some effect, some positive effect. Mm. So, so yeah, no. I don't know what answer is that. I mean, it's, it sounds to me like a yes, like you you would definitely be doing something. I think it's interesting that you went straight to no one, like kind of sounds like you're kind of done with PR. <laughs> so when I now, when I kind of went public, I was giving it all up. Um, lots of people came to me and suggested other communications that I could go work for, like like the implications for me being I failed. But it mm. wasn't that at all. It was I have had enough. However, there is still parts of communications that I really enjoy and that I still have a huge skill set from that that I still want to employ mm. um, in ways. So I will work, whatever I do, I will do with a PR and communications head because I just can't not, it's 20 odd years, I can't not do that. But mm. what is a relief is that that is no longer my focus. 
trying to get that grind, that daily grind of trying to get achieve, achieve, achieve stuff is no longer my focus. But for example, Zara, uh, uh, where I'm an administrator, um, I've already had conversations about potential communications and you know how to use stuff. I know uh, it looks like it, and I, and I hope it does come to fruition that a lot of my skills learned over the last 21 years will actually be used. Mm. And I'm re- and I'm happy for that. Mm. That that's great because it's just a part of another job rather than an app waking up every morning and like going to sleep every night with that on you. It's just mad all the time. It just yeah. being part of something bigger and something more important is is appealing. I suspect it won't. Whilst I'm done with it at that level, mm. I don't think I'm, I'm. I've always lived by never say never. I don't think I'm done with it on another level. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think, uh, you know, I do, as we've established, do need to have an income, a better income than I've currently got. And that's, that's a need, not a want. But um, so I think I'll probably go back to offering copywriting and that kind of stuff. I'm doing a bit of proofreading since at the moment, but mm. that, kind of, so that element of it. Yeah, it's so much easier just to get a job on a lot of levels than just be working I, for someone and get paid a wage. So long as the... There are, the job's decent <laughs> and the wage is decent. Couldn't agree any more. And it's kind of fairly recent discovery is that it's like, it sounds really stupid after, you know, having worked for 36 years. But um, even just this morning, I was like, in the office, when you looked at the clock, it was 10 a.m., it felt awfully early. I look at the clock and it's 10 a.m. now, and I'm like, fuck. It's a whole different way of being. I've mm. done some great, you know, by 10 o'clock, I'll have done things. Mm. But it's, I've still got, I feel like I've still got so much to do. So, right, so, so now, to totally different from FDPR, I do X amount of hours of Zarak a week. And that breaks down into X Monday to Thursday and X on Friday. And that's where we've established. So I've got, by right, you've got these. Let's, so let's say I do two hours for Zarak a day. So by right, you've got six hours left, haven't you? So mm. That is not how it works at mm. all. It just doesn't. And there's a host of reasons for this. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, the other work that I'm doing in those hours is paid by the hour. Mm. So you have to do that. And it, and, it, and they can tell, right? Mm. So there's no kind of... So if you go into an office and you're paid salary... Are you going to wear whatever and you pay the salary? And this goes back to when people started working from home as well and were panicking about it. You just have the chances are you could spend over a day, an hour gabbing somebody that's not, not in total, not on full hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Often, although don't get me wrong, I've done it. <laughs> yeah. But rather ten minutes while you're making a cuppa, another yeah. ten minutes. Oh morning, did you watch X Factor? You know, all, all that lovely stuff that comes with working in an office. Mm. There'll be an hour there where you haven't actually worked. And good, quite right. I am not knocking that. That's, that's exactly how it should be. Mm. Human interaction. You've got to have that conversation. You get to go in and work, work, work. Although I know there are jobs, but that is exactly what you do. Mm. But you have the cut that walk through the moment and you have that other stuff and that there's time when you are. Uh, and so when people start working on one particular friend of mine said he was really struggling to fill his day. Mm. 
And I was like, but you don't do that in the office. You don't go into the office at nine, leave at five and have work apart from an hour at lunchtime. One, you go out for a bag, whatever. Mm. You go make a tea, you do chat to so-and-so, you lean back in your chair and then you talk about work. You talk mm. about the stuff that you're doing and that old trend that you'll do all sorts of creativity in that hour gap with somebody else that hasn't actually given you anything to show for particularly mm. that is happening. You are creating stuff. You are making things happen. So, no, you don't do that. You don't go in and work nine times and come out. And that's really interesting. See, when you're working like this, so I am on an hourly rate and it is monitored. So I'm not going out to do that. I'm not just sitting there going, I have to be doing it. Mm. So I have, the other stuff that you do when you might, oh, I, you know, total disclosure in an office is you might do your finance. You might quickly do your banking. You need yeah. to pay that bill today. I'll do that. Yeah. 15 minutes. Right. I do a bit of surfing on Amazon. I don't know. I'm always a judge. When you're working in a very different way, that does not ha- you don't get that. So actually, your days are even busier because you have to do your finances in the evening. Mm. And this is, I'm not going, oh, woe is me. I'm just saying this is a real and this is for many, many, many people. Yeah, yeah. Back to that kind of privilege thing. Mm. You don't just, I find you where you, for example, because the teacher the other day, they went, that's not how it works. And like, I don't know why I've got this. I know what I'll give a moment. I don't think I'd skip as a teacher. But, um, and so I appreciate every job's different. But, and then there are, uh, you know, there are other jobs like you go working all day. You go with like, you do your job, you clock off and you come home. You've done yeah. shift. Yeah. And you get, oh, it's great. That sounds great. Mm. You know, there's so many different ways of being. And I'm just trying to find. So yesterday I realized I am going to have to start working at evenings and weekends. It's just how things are working. Again, this is a massive... Is that just taking on more hours, though? Is that to get more hours in, or is it that you... I mean, are you afraid of sort of doing those higher-paying roles of, like, the, the pressure to go back into them, or...? I've never had a higher-paying role. <laughs> well, I suppose you've been in theatre, haven't you? So it's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Going on. Yes. Um, I've never had a higher-paying role, and that would look good. But, yeah, the pressure, I don't know. I... I I don't, I don't, well, I'm not in the business of earning shitloads of money. Mm. Don't get me wrong. Mm. A little windfall right now would be really, really beneficial mm. and, and welcome. And I would love to just take, take the thought of the gas for a little bit. Mm. But, you know, I'm not a materialistic, I like nice things, but I'm not a materialistic person, you know. Yeah, I, yeah, you're not like, give me all the Lamborghinis. <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> do like my wife. I don't need to go on holiday abroad every year. I'll do like a holiday, like we just had a week in Northumberland, which is my first in five years where I didn't work. Um, uh, you know, a break away, different, somewhere different to me, different change of scenery. Mm. Uh, but I'm not a, but I do like to have money. I do see money as freedom in a way. Mm. Um, I think I'd be able to give you some. So I don't need a want, don't need lots of it, but I do need some. Um, the hype, I don't want a pressure, I don't want that pressure anymore, I don't think. Mm. Never say never. Right now, you know, it feels quite nice to, to be able to, for example, sit here and talk to you. I know I have to make that time up financially, but that's my toy. Sit here with the dog next to me snoring and knowing I can go sit out in the garden for a cup of tea if I want to, do you know what I mean? But I have to, at the moment, I have to bring that all back around again. So I might work till it. I might do several hours work from between six and nine tonight or mm. 
she's not ideal. That's not how I want to work, really. But for now, that's how it has to be. I don't know if I'm clear. Where, where, where do you feel you are then right now? Are you kind of like there isn't a burning passion of a thing that you really want to do? Is it just kind of like, do you feel like you've lost the thing that you wanted to do? And you're kind of like, well, what now? Like, I think one of the things that I've always wanted to do, and it's the reason I went to freelance in 2017, is to write. Mm. I always said I'm going to write best seller in terms of award-winning TV series or mm. film. Um, but to do that, there's one thing you have to do, and that's uh, start writing. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. But several years ago, I started writing this little blog thing just for myself, and I used to share it on Facebook with just my friends and family. I totally understand it's my own um, tunnel, my own echo chamber. Yeah, yeah. I, everybody comes back and says how lovely it is and how wonderful you are. Of course, it's not my friends and family. But it was nice. It was a re- I really enjoyed it. And I got some really proper, good feedback on it as well as in, mm. you know, not just, oh, thank you, well, thank you. And, but some nice stuff of like, actually, that, that bit really jarred with me. I really understood. And I thought, this, I've always wanted to, since I was a kid, I used, my creative writing at school, that was the thing I always got merit badges and certificates on house points and all that. And we loved it. Um, so I've been weighing on about it forever. And here I am at 50, still not doing it. But so I started this little blog and I thought, I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to start writing about stuff, just life, just my life, just stuff that happens. That's what I'm going to do. I'll go freelance and I'll get the time to do it. Mm. <laughs> of course you do. I had more time when I was working than the Friday night start. One evening a week. And more money. Uh, and more money. <laughs> more money. Um, what day with me? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a better, you know, another, anyway, yeah, I left it. So I genuinely thought I'd create more time to write, and that genuinely didn't happen. That was five years ago. And not a word has come out of this pen or onto that keyboard, apart from obviously I write from a wrote for my job. Mm. So I produced a lot of work that doesn't have my name on it. Um, and, 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 it, and it is purely constant. So, I then thought when I give it all up, I start writing here I am in this situation again where I'm having to work more hours than ever, spend a lot less money mm. and still not writing. But I think I'm, I, maybe maybe I'm not, I don't believe in meant to be must of fact, but maybe that isn't the thing that I really want to do. Maybe if I really wanted to do it, I'd have already bloody done it. You know, I don't know. Or maybe it's coming. Maybe I just need to make, you know, these changes that I'm going through now and this transition now that's Mm. Is is what's going to make it happen? Where I just go, you know what? You need to do this at nine o'clock at night. You need to give yourself an hour every night and just mm. do that. You know, and it paid the difference of looking at how I work and the changing in my lifestyle and how I operate shifted massively. Even just this week, even just last night. Mm. So maybe this is it. I don't know. Maybe it isn't. Maybe I will go work in Aldi, which is what I always say is my fallback. That's fine. I have no problem stacking down what I have a problem with is who I work with. That's my only other my concern. Well, there's a, there's no problem with stacking shelves, but there is a problem with someone who's got no experience and who's like 30 years younger than you and doesn't know anything and is like trying to tell you what to do. And you're just like, <laughs> look, I turned up on time and I'm stacking shelves. Just leave me alone. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, you see immediate. I'm like, no. <laughs> it's just I don't. Uh, I'm not relating this to Aldi, by the way. I need Aldi crept off of there. Um, it's just about going into an environment where you might have to be just sitting with a load of racist sex. Do you know what I mean? All that stuff I just don't want to have to deal with on a daily basis. It's there, it exists. I manage it. I'll do my own thing. But I couldn't deal with that all the time. That frightens the life. Mm. <laughs> and, and and here I am again in my own little echo chamber. But I do, you know, I am connected. <laughs> I do know what's going on out there. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to go straight into this then. So the social media question. I mean, the question is to, to kind of look at how how much so- social media is becoming like work media and sort of like how much of your time it takes up and how much of everybody's work it kind of is seemingly encroaching on now. So social media for you, like um, how much time do you have to spend on social media as part of your work doing social media or looking at it? And do you feel that the amount of time that you invest, the amount of work time you invest in social media gives you benefit back in terms of the amount of, you know, work that it brings? Now, you've landed on a good one here for me. From a communications point of view, from the SDPR point of view, from the PR point of view, social media is king. Mm. And the what you get back for it, I have a real challenge with. It's hot not all about numbers and likes and glances for me this is my totally my opinion there are lots of people working my industry that will disagree with me entirely and that is also fine for me social media is not everything but it has it's a massive part of any communication strategy and movement what you write how you write it what time you write it what you post pictures all that skewed and so many people don't, in my opinion, don't do it right. I'm way off mark. I can come in and help you with that. But um, it, it takes time. It takes a lot of time and a lot of energy. Also, you need to maintain connecting with people. If someone comes on your page and asks you a question, you don't answer it. That's like going into the shop and saying, can I have a that, please? And then walking away and not serving it. You know, it is something that needs maintaining all the time. It's full on mm. and it is tiring. Um and yeah, just takes a lot of energy and skill as well and thought and planning and all that other stuff. Mm. I think it's massive. I think the thing about what you get in, I think the return on investment, let's use that old one. Mm. I have personally have a struggle with, but I always have to, and I just view it quite differently. So back in the day, when I was in Birmingham working at the NEC and the NIA, for example, print media was there, print and broadcast media, whatever, there was no social media mm. then. 2008, I went on Facebook and it was started on Facebook and it was brand new. So this is 2005 to 2008. Um, there's no social media. We did a course in what was called EPR, electronic PR. It's only about what price. I mean, it's hilarious. Not that long ago, is it? Mm. 14, 15 years ago. Um, so I remember we first started sending press releases by email. The journalist horrified. And this is not like 20 years ago. So, uh, in, at the, at the, in why was it in Birmingham? So, broadcast and print media was everything. And so, yeah, so, and there were newspapers everywhere. So, each little place had its own newspaper, freezer that would yeah, yeah. the door, you know. So, in Birmingham, for example, as a map, West Midlands, Matter County, get the Birmingham Post, Birmingham Evening Mail, then the Leeds, Oxford, 
and then each area outside of each sort of the villages have would have its own just solid hold there like that would land in its in its doorstep. So the readership of the little ones in the village quite naturally it's tiny because it's mm. served there. Mm. Like, but the readership of those is yeah, massive. Yeah. Yeah, massive. Everyone that that land, everyone who's got that land will have a look at that over a cup yeah. of tea or it's on the toilet floor. Yeah. Or, you know, so you are going to pick it up and have a read it because it's, it's talking about what's happening on your doorstep, mm. not in Leeds City Centre, your doorstep here, where mm. you live, your mm. community. And that really matters to mm. most people, regardless mm. of your politics and beliefs. Mm. Um, so I'd be like, this has got to be the safe of 315. Like, no, we need that because it's 3 million and. This is tiny as a number, mm. but it's so powerful. Mm. You're speaking directly to that person, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Knows who you're talking to. You know where they live. You know the demographic of income and all mm. that was really important then. Um, so I feel the same. I transport that to social media as well. Just because someone hasn't liked it or particularly engaged with it, one doesn't mean they haven't seen it. Because mm. we go like this. Dot. But, uh, you know, and it, mm. that isn't necessarily an engagement on a piece of paper that you can print out and show somebody. Mm. It's, uh, but I've seen that. Mm. So newsletters, for example, I've gone off social media a bit, but it's, it, it, the example's there. With newsletters, I, I think are massively important. And we, everybody looks at how many, who's clicked on it, who's clicked on the links within the newsletter, how many's opened it, how many's bounced back. My big, the one, one number I will look at, and that is who's unsubscribed. That's the one that matters. Mm. If they've unsubscribed, they're genuinely not interested. If they're still subscribed, you're all right. So I'll get newsletters from Dunnell, right, which is a house, you know, duvets and stuff. Yeah. Right. I can count on one hand how many times I've opened that in five years. Yeah. But every time that comes through, I go, ooh, Dunnell. Oh yeah, Dunnell. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, we're back to six months to go to Dunnell. Yeah. It's there. It's yeah. there. And that's job done. As far as I'm concerned, your job's done. Mm. You can't always transfer, this is very PR rather than marketing, but you can't always transfer sales. I can take the horse to water, but I can't make them drink. I can let people know what's going on. I can't make them buy the ticket or mm. buy a pint or you just, you know. So for social media, it's a part of a bigger thing. It's a really important part of a bigger thing. However, if you can't do it in a decent way, but I was going to say popular, but that's cheaper than probably don't do it at all because there's nothing worse than doing something really badly um but always have a website um so i was very strong on that and not everybody agreed with me but i'm very funny about numbers and and you know like viewing figures for tv i think it's really dangerous because this is where we stand to lose really important stuff just because not not everybody's watching it yet and we all choose yeah. but it's got talent but we don't all tune into david attenborough but it's important or or a little comedy thing on BBC Three, but it's important. Mm. There's creative behind that. There's people working and crafting and learning behind that, and it's reaching some people just in ten million. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So the importance mm. is really skewed, and I think we've been. And it's the same for funding and in particular in the arts. They want numbers and numbers and numbers. Like right? that doesn't tell the story. That is not telling you the story of who you've touched and who you've affecting and what change you've brought and the importance of all that and who's working on it and what that does for the economy and you know i think it's it it's a really there's a lot of really interesting stuff in there and in the marketing kind of side as well of, of like 
because ultimately what you're looking for is like you see a lot of this stuff of, of when you're starting things online and they're kind of you know you're doing anything sort of creative and being a creator creating content they're always like you know build a community and this that and the other and it feels very cultish it's like you know build your own cult and then you have to get these, these people and then they kind of have to fit into this mold and then you're building this kind of like ideal consumer and then the ideal consumer is kind of someone that you want to sell the same thing to over and over again someone who's buying the same product over and over and over again and then also other things with your product name on up to a certain amount that they will spend in their lifetime <laughs> but, but that is the actual genuine reality of what you're really trying to do as well like we tell ourselves all these other things if we're trying to you know my business is about this or i'm trying to do this or it's for this but you're also just trying to get those people and get that money off them and get them to buy the same thing over and over again so um Probably well. and actually they're going to move on we all move on you know um i would said to somebody have you thought about PR? Went, oh we don't need PR. we're always sold out and i was like that's just foolish that is really foolish because there is Roughly, it's going to come a time when you ain't selling out mm. and we're back to that sort of venue, don't talk about it, then suddenly try and reopen it and, mm. and scrub around and communicating is so, so important. So, but, so when I started at the at the National Indoor Arena and National Exhibition Centre in Birmingham, Cliff Richard was everything like, ha-ha, we're like, people camp, women camp out overnight to buy tickets to Cliff Richard. This is 20 years ago. It's not mm. that long ago. Mm. Uh, so every year promoter wanted that to happen mm. and for the media obviously the media loved that it was a great of course it's a great story it's fabulous but we kept saying his fans are getting older mm. they're not going to be around forever mm. and actually they ain't going to camp out <laughs> in the center of Birmingham anymore <laughs> <laughs> but that was an example of how things you know it doesn't just stay the same so you, so you you can't just communicate to these same people because those same people are always going to be there. That, that just doesn't make sense. But you need to look after them when you've got a really need to look after them, care for them, show them some love, thank them, da, da, da. but you've got to be ready for this next stuff coming along all the time. And that's where communication is so huge important and identifying. And this is where intergenerational working is massive, identifying those new people that are coming on because I'm 50. You know, I don't know. I'm not, you know, my pet daughter's 22. She's just started a new job yesterday as a junior graphic designer. The world is, is her oyster. She knows what's coming next. Yeah. But in 30 years, it won't be her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've got, we've got um, learning and understanding and being able to move forward. And some stuff stays the same for a long time and, and great. And we need that too. But fundamentally, you've got to think about change. And I think, so when I was thinking of giving up SDPR, uh, I heard a program on Radio 4 about all these successful TikTokers, and I was like, that's what I'll do. I'll work, I'll get the next set dog to teach me. It's downloaded, yeah. Went on there, and I had no idea what was it. Yes, I'll get Millie to teach me how to do TikTok, and I'll make my zillions or hundreds or tens out of, out of that. And then and about an hour later, I was like, I start, it's just like the last thing I want to do. I don't even want, I'm just, even if I knew what to do, I don't want to do that. What are you thinking? I have at least 
I just don't have that interest in you anymore. I don't have that fight, you know. I love Facebook. Anyone will tell you. I love Facebook. I love Instagram. Twitter gets on my wick, but I do it a bit only because I've had to work. Uh, but I love my personal Facebook and Instagram pages. And then um, and I'm very pro-social media. I'm also very aware it's how we use it. And that's the bit that needs addressing. We can't all go around and go, social media's caused all these problems because they mm. were ever done. They mm. were those problems are, but always been there. Yes, highlighted. I'll mm. give you that one. Mm. But we have to take some responsibility for that. We have to take responsibility for how we're using it, you know, and, and who and what we're using. I'm blocking people, actually, and not following certain things that really depress the life out of you. Mm. How to look after yourself, you mm. know. Use it for fun. I use it for fun. Mm. Use it for a bit of a laugh. <laughs> Because mm. ain't going to change the world of my Facebook, that's for sure. Yeah, and Twitter. I don't follow. I realise I've been following some subjects, whatever they call it, on Twitter themes, mm. and I've unfollowed them. Oh, the absolute joy that's not going on and seeing the same. Thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they're doing that. They're they're the algorithms basically doing the same thing as yeah. you know the marketing of just like show them the same story. Again and again and again and again until they go crazy. <laughs> yeah, until you get unsubscribed. Had enough. Had enough. Don't want it anymore. Uh, it's a really, it's a really um, thin line, isn't it, between looking after yourself, your mental health, your own things that you've got going on. Because let's face it, everyone, but everyone has got their own stuff going on, and still being connected and still understanding that there is a, that other stuff is happening outside of you all. Kind of thing that does that is important and does need your attention. Mm. That balance is increasingly difficult mm. to, you know. I once put on Facebook something about I can't remember what it was. Was it food delivering for a food bank? They delivered first one of those food banks through that first lockdown. It was something like that anyway, that of that ilk. And my friend, very lovely and ethically same as me, philosophically, politically came on and said, we shouldn't have to do this. And I was like, no, we absolutely shouldn't. But here we are. Mm. This is just it. Yeah, we shouldn't. But if we don't, and yet I hear the stories of as long as we do that, that's not going to change. But I'm sorry, this is where where we're at right now. Mm. And I think it, it, it does need to happen and perhaps will bring on great change. Not in my lifetime. Many years down the line, who knows? But we can't always sit back and do nothing. There are times when you have to say that's it now. This is probably a really good one to end with for you. So the question is, if you could change any three things about your work, what would you change? It can be anything at all. So what would be the three things that you would change about your work? So you can use your current roles, the work you're doing now, or you can use your sort of previous work experience or just an ideal, but however you want to take that question. Yeah. This is going to be a really hard one for you, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're saying and nothing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, I guess this is what I've been thinking a lot about in that, you know, did I go back out to work mm. because of potentially becoming reclusive? <laughs> Um, is that such a bad thing? Um, <laughs> yeah, three things I would change. And oh my goodness, but this, I need your help. 
Come on, buddy. No, he's not helping. Um, I guess I kind of don't want to make it about money, but I'd like to not have to worry about making X amount in order to just be here. Yeah. And let's face it, for most of his work is about that at the basic level. But then talking about doing stuff, volunteering if I didn't need to earn money is also really important. But I guess having the time to volunteer would be would be good. That's something I've of giving myself the time to volunteer mm. would be good. Um, I'd like to find my dream job, but I don't think it exists. Maybe you need to create it. I think I probably do. I have been thinking that, and that's where I am at the moment. Although my the work I'm doing, not so my work with Zarak, the charity is great. That's fine. The other stuff that I'm doing to just try and make have, have an income is, you know, it's not creative, but um, or what's the word where you feel like oh, that's, yeah, it is literally getting paid X amount an hour. Mm. to do this mm. to do some processing but um but at the same time i am building my lifestyle mm. i think so when i went to the interview for zarek and it was always 12 hours a week um i said i was very honest if you know i do need to learn power uh and they said well, how are you how are you going to do that and i said well my idea is I've got this little data input job. It's to get work that will just to, to build a salary by doing lots of little bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. And that to me feels really, for me personally, quite ideal. Mm-hmm. So how achievable that is at the moment, that feels mm-hmm. like that's just not even a thing. But I'm so early on in that transition period that I don't know. But even the changes I've been through so far, I'm quite liking this idea of trying to be a bit more flexible mm. around the nine to five thing, but also having the life work balance, which is really important. Mm. So the three things I would change is. Sound, well, like, shall I formulate from what you've said? I'm yeah. putting words in your mouth here, but so it sounds like less hours, more money. <laughs> <laughs> and then the third thing is. Something that I like. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> to say that less hours, more money is something I've been saying for a couple of years. I'm just scared of saying it because it sounds so awful. Yep, you should want more money. That's the... <laughs> yeah, that's but animal I'm, and health. I would say, yeah, I, I don't want a Lamborghini, as we've established. I've well, got... yeah, you don't want all the money. You just want <laughs> some of the money so you can do <laughs> some of the things. Yes, that's it. Thank you. Some money so I can do something. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not too tired and I'm not too cold. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> not too cold. I don't want to be going to sit in three Wilkie's places. <laughs> what about the fire up? <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, less hours, more money, and by that, that doesn't mean all the money, or, or you know, by any stretch, vast amounts of money to most people. I think it's because I always focus on people who are less fortunate, less fortunate than ourselves. 
you know, that I have evenly. Mm. I just don't feel it's fair for me to then say things like that when there are people with even, much less, much less. But then I look at the other parts of the and think, ah, no, that many. Well, that's it's it, so you know. It's so yeah. there's, a, there's a difference between, you know, Elon Musk and, and Jeffrey Kisses and, <laughs> <laughs> and, and people who are earning a lot of money here. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. There's but then there, there is, you know, as someone, as someone said on one of the, the early sort of episodes, that there is enough. There is enough. And there's enough for people to take, you know, more than their fair share to a degree. Um, but yeah, we need to share it a bit better. It needs balancing out in my, yeah, I really hugely agree with that. I've lots of friends working on salted said, and somebody said to me, we took Santa to work eight hours a week. And I was like, but it shouldn't be. No. Like, but it is. And I was like, no, it shouldn't no. be. There's no. two people to do 40 hours each. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, that I'm sorry if that's really simplistic. It isn't, it shouldn't be normal to work 80 hours a week. No. And it doesn't, it doesn't do anybody any good. It doesn't do the individual any good. It doesn't do the business any good because their productivity falls off a cliff after so many hours. And, exactly. you know, if it doesn't fall off the cliff after hours this week, next week, that many months, it will after a couple of years when they're burnt out and they're no good to anyone anymore. Exactly. And then, and then somebody has to pay the health cost because they've now got a chronic health condition. You know, big it's picture, like, big exactly. It's this sort of which why UBI makes so much sense to me. It's like all of these, you know, the, the vast profits and the big profits and things like that. It's like, well, they've made that by pushing the costs onto other people. Yeah. You know, the costs onto the consumer, the costs onto society, the costs the onto few, everybody else. The energy companies at the moment is a classic example of that. And um, yeah, it, I find yeah. it so upsetting that that is allowed to happen and it's like and it's just they've decided it's their right it's like oh we we were closed for however many years we've decided it's now our right to reclaim all of those profits like you know take a loss necessarily yeah take a fucking loss take a fucking loss and it isn't they're not gonna it would be really hard to take a loss no because if you've paid the government any kind of money you're now like it's now they have to turn the printing press on for you whenever you have any problems. <laughs> yeah. It's just duckingly bad, I think. Yeah. I'm very, oh, I don't know. It's depressing. When that's, that's why I want to do the kind of volunteering stuff. It's not, no, we shouldn't have to, no, we shouldn't, no, Zarak shouldn't have to be raising money to get beds for children. It shouldn't, mm. but it is, this is where we're at. And mm. so... It needs support, it, and a zillion other charities need support and need volunteers and need money putting into it. And who knows, maybe that will start with everything. Thank you again to Faye for being my guest. Thanks again to all my guests, and thanks to you, Leeds, for being my subject. And of course, most of all, thanks to you, my dear listener. Come back next week to hear me talk to a PhD candidate. Stay tuned for a little bit extra Faye after this message. So it's £1 a month to support this show on either Ko-fi or Patreon. And if you do sign up, you will be helping me to keep making these. I can't keep making the podcast at a loss for three years, let alone 10 years. I mean, I am amazing, but I'm not that amazing. Give more if you can and or want to, please. 
If I get the support I need, there will be even more episodes coming out per month, guest sourcing and their permissions, depending, of course. Your money will be helping the podcast with its overheads as well as with reducing my own losses. And if I can get enough people listening and coming on this show, then I can have more opportunities to find even more sweet, generous, lovely people such as those among you who have already acted to support this show in real life by talking about it or virtually by listening, liking, sharing, rating, and or becoming a Patreon or giving a one-off donation. If you don't want to make a commitment to a subscription, that's cool. Please make a donation of any amount, either via the Libra Pay button on my website, which is western-studios.com, or via my Kofi page. Uh, that's Kofi, K-O-F-E.com forward slash working hours. If you have listened to five or more episodes, then please throw me a one-off donation of £3 or more via Kofi. You know it's the right thing to do. At the moment, the record donation to this pod is £100 from the US of A. And the best donation from Leeds is £3. Come on, Leeds, step up your game. I want you to chuck in because I can't do any more because I would rather not go down a web-based advertising route because I don't want to create a listenership to sell you to advertisers. I want to generate discussion, one that I think is valuable and important in my city. And I'm asking for your help to do this because we are all going to cook very soon and we need to be acting around that fact. Now, I see this show as something that is specific, measured, achievable, if I get the help, and timely. It is a business podcast. It is a career advice podcast. It is a civic podcast, a political podcast, and a history podcast all in one, especially if you buy into it and tell other people about it too. You know, like how selling any shit works. Okay, that's me. Cheers, ears. Take care out there and be kind to each other, Leeds. I do a project called Projecting Grief where I speak just like you, speak to people for... Mm usually two hours sometimes more occasionally one but usually the average two hours and that's it the, the subject matter is quite intense because it is about grief and loss mm. as a, and a joyous moment too because it's about creativity but um i'd have to listen to them back like you do because i have to transcribe it and then i have yeah. to write a, the short story and every time i'm just like for fuck <laughs> stop with your flappy mouth to me not the person yeah 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 Shut up. <laughs> so when I, when I'm trying to formulate a question and unless I've got it to the point of actually just being a straightforward question I can I can ask that question and then I can cut all the rubbish out beforehand but when I'm not doing that and I'm, I'm listening back and I'm trying to do a really clumsy segue of moving one subject into another subject or into a question and then also I feel like I still have to kind of explain my questions to everyone at the moment um, yeah. of what I'm trying to do. So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It is, um, and it's, hard, it's, a really, it's a really skilled job. Yours is a really skilled role. And, you, you know, it's just a le- it's always learning, isn't it? Yeah. Different, trying something out and um, listening back. And I don't envy you having said it. And is in as sound because yeah. writing is different. You can move things around a bit. Oh, well, yeah, they can move sound around as well. But yeah. I would think writing's a bit easier. But, yeah, yeah, much easier to cut and paste with writing. <laughs> Faster as well. I mean, you can do it with uh, audio now. There's a 
editor called Descript, uh, right. which will transcribe your audio. So it's done by an AI. So it's about 90% effective. Uh, and then you have to go in and sort of, you know, um, change the copy yourself and just do, yeah, yeah. You know, correct the main bits. Um, but yeah, it'll give you like a text document so you can take out bits and move it around like a word processor, but obviously it needs a lot more processing power because it's moving sound and video files sometimes to move that around. But you, yeah, feasibly you can, you can do it, which when that gets really good, that'll be amazing. I need that for projecting grief because if I do a two hour interview, mm. it takes me four hours to transcribe it. Mm. It's always double. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's... before I've even started writing it, there's a there's a couple. There's Otter, which if uh, if there's Zoom sort of meetings, that does yeah. transcribing as well. That's What's it called? Otter. Otter AI. And is that um? So that's just just <laughs> it mainly does Zoom files like Zoom recording files, but it I think it does other audio. And then have a look at Descript, which is the the text editor one. And does it transcribe, you know, is it good with like dialects or is it, do you have to kind of check back a bit? The script's not bad, but you do have to go through the document. So you'll need to read through the document, um, but it'll get most of the words. And it, and it sort of gets better the more it does. So obviously at the moment it's used to sort of American voices, but as it is other voices, it'll it get better at those as well. Mm. Thank you. Mm. If you're listening to this, I assume you have some connection to Leeds, like living here or being from here. If you're such a person in Leeds or from Leeds and you haven't done your recording for working hours yet, then don't wait. Email me now, right now. Quick, get a pen. Workinghourspod at western-studios.com. If you fancy being my guest, put guest in the subject line of your email and add a short bio in the message. Stick in some suggestions of your availability and I'll send you a release form and a Zoom invite. If you'd like to be on working hours, I will need a two-hour window for us to record in. I can record in your work time or during your downtime. I have been recording interviews for working hours for every year on Zoom, but I can also record offline. You can appear on working hours anonymously or you can promote yourself and or your company or brand cleaner or owner what is your experience how do you feel about work what do you like and not like what do you do leads be a part of local history have your voice heard share your wisdom give us the inside skinny this is your show leads and it's all about what you make of yourself do you know what you're doing if you do then come and tell me all about it come on working hours even if you don't know what you're doing i certainly don't email me right now quick get a pen workinghourspod at western-studios.com. If you're allowed to do that, that is. If you're not allowed to do that, then tell me why. If you and your business aren't ashamed of what you do, then let's hear all about it. What good are you doing the rest of us? Are you socially useful? Am I? Is this? Send your feedback, questions, comments, and queries right now to workinghourspod at western-studios.com. What is happening, Leeds? Find out by following this show on Twitter at Working Hours 3 and on Instagram at Working Hours Pod Leads to find out when new episodes are going to be released. Or just use the hashtag hash Working Hours Pod Leads on either of those sites to find me. I'm on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Western underscore studios underscore leads. I'm also on LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Simon hyphen 
Treen is T R E E N. Or you can go to my company page, which is linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Western hyphen studios. If you want to make a podcast in Leeds, whether it's for a cause, a publicity campaign, a product promotion, or your own passion project, then get in touch with me, Western Studios, for support, advice, and guidance on anything podcasts. At Western Studios, you work with a real life lawyer who is actually in Leeds, who you can actually work with on making podcast content. So don't wade through articles and videos and podcasts about how to make podcasts. Just get on with it. Western Studios can make your podcast with you or even for you. Western Studios can take on your podcast's boring, time-consuming and painful admin, recording, editing, transcription, whatever. Tell me about it. I feel your pain. For a charge, I'll share it. Writers, what are you doing with your lives? Hopefully you're writing. Well, I know there are listeners out there who want to hear great original writing performed as audio content and made in Leeds. How do I know this? because I'm one of them. Help me make Muck for Brass, a series of short stories, poems, performers, whatever, all published as podcast content. Is your work arty, salacious, pulpy, strange? Good. I want to make it a podcast. I get practice making the show and you get a finished, performed and published version of your writing. Businesses, campaigns, brands, got an inkling that you'd like a podcast but don't know where to start. Hit me up at makemypodcast at western-studios.com and we'll start making your podcast straight away. The first hour of arranged consultation and pre-production time is free. So what do you have to lose? And what are you waiting for? Save yourself the hassle and the headache and make your podcast with a Leeds-based, in real life, podcast producer, that's me, Western Studios Leeds. Once again, please let working hours get big and strong by joining its Patreon. Support Working Hours by becoming a champion on Patreon for a pound a month. You can inspire me and motivate me with a membership and maybe one day even be helping to cover all my costs. You can chat to me there and see me do a monthly live stream where again you can chat to me all about the show and God do I need to find someone to actively share this project with. Go to patreon.com forward slash working hours pod right now and sign up please. And or go to Kofi, that's ko ficom forward slash working hours and join me there for a pound a month and get access to the working hours discord and chat to me there. I will be putting up additional material on Kofi once there are any members there. Please do remember to like, share, follow and subscribe to this show. Every little bit helps. Tell your gran, tell your housekeeper, tell your gardener, tell your parole officer, tell your boss, tell Leeds and I'll see thee next time, our kid. Working Hours is presented, edited, and recorded by Simon Treem for Western Studios Leeds Limited. The music was The Bees from Chopin's Etudes, which is in the public domain and was taken from museopen.org.